Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Chronicles chapter number 16, uh, and when you find your place, I'll invite you to stand as we honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God. We're going to jump around a little bit in the reading because to the best of my ability, I'm going to try to touch as much of this chapter as I can uh, this evening while at the same time trying uh, my best not to keep you here all night. And uh, so you just pray for me tonight. The Lord give us wisdom as to what to say and what to leave out because I can promise there's going to be a good bit left out tonight. First Chronicles chapter number 16 and verse number one, the Bible said, so, bro- so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record, and notice this now, and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief and next to him Zechariah, Jael and and Shemiramoth and and Jehiel and Mattathiah and Eliab and Benaiah and Obadiah and and Janiah with psalteries and with harps, but Asaph made a sound with cymbals. Benaiah also and Jehaziel, the priests, with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Uh, Notice with me verse number 7. The Bible says, Then on that day uh, David delivered first this psalm, notice this now, to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him and sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Now skip down with me to verse number 28 just for the sake of time. Notice what the Bible says here. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord uh, the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all uh, the earth. The world also shall be stable that it be not moved. Let the 
heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice, and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a moment of prayer, and then we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us tonight. Let's pray together. Our kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we come into your presence once again as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for this day, God, that you've given us to come in on a Tuesday night to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for what this week means. Thank you, Lord, as we look forward to a wonderful Thanksgiving time. Thank you, Lord, that here in this country we have uh, a day set aside to where uh, we have made it the purpose of the day uh, to be thankful, or at least we should make it the purpose of the day to be thankful and to direct our thanks to where it ought to be. And yes, Lord, there are so much we have to be thankful for here. And there's so many that we have to be thankful for. But more than all of that, all of our thanks, uh, giving and praise ought to be directed to you. And I pray to your God that as we look in this text tonight, God, that you speak to our hearts. I pray to your God that you forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory. Help me, God, to be a blessing. Help me to say only the things, God, that you'd have to be said. Give me wisdom, Lord, to know, Lord, what you would have uh, for uh, not, you would not have for us tonight and what you would have for us this evening. Father, I do pray, God, that your will would be done. Speak to each and every heart. May sinners be saved. May lives be changed. May the backslid get right with you. And may the people of God find what they stand in need of at your hand. And Father, for everything you do, we'll be careful <coughs> to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we come this evening, of course, we uh, do realize the, the week that we're in and why we are having service on a Tuesday night uh, instead of on a Wednesday night and uh, in our what I'm calling our not-quite-so-midweek service this week, amen. And, uh, but as we try to do uh, each year, we do move this service and we do it in, uh, in uh, recognition of the Thanksgiving holiday that's coming on Thursday and looking forward to that and I'm thankful uh, that that is one of the holidays that we do have in our country. Amen. And uh, I, I do want us tonight as the best I can uh, for us to turn our attention upon that subject of Thanksgiving. And uh, I believe it is a, a subject that is all so important. And uh, you know the, the and I, I've mentioned this even recently uh, in our services but the Bible does tell us about the great need of thanks, thankfulness in the day and the hour in which we live. And uh, I want to talk about Thanksgiving in, in uh, that particular way tonight, uh, not in giving you a history lessons about pilgrims and Indians, uh, uh, Native Americans, whatever uh, is supposed to be said uh, in the day that we're living in, amen. Uh, but I'm not here to give you a history lesson, but I do want to share with you some things from the Word of God 
especially considering uh, that the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 2 that in the last days men shall be unthankful. And one of the greatest needs of of our day uh, is for the children of God especially uh, to be thankful. Amen. I would hate to know that I bear in my life and in my existence the marks of what makes the last days perilous times. You know, the Bible says that uh, the last days are uh, are going to be perilous times. They are going to be dangerous days. And uh, one of the reasons for that is because men will be unthankful. Uh, those verses tell us that men will be lovers of them own, uh, their own selves. That, mean they, that means they only care about themselves. They are obsessed with self. They'll be covetous. That means they want what others have and they want the things that they do not have. That they will be proud. That means that they will have an inflated sense of self and an improper view of one's own goodness and one, uh, one's own value. And it says that they will be disobedient to parents. That means that in the last days we will have young people, uh, and, and sadly to say uh, that uh, even older folks, but in particular here with children, who will not submit themselves to the authority of anyone but what they feel like is their own uh, authority, and they set themselves up that way. And then the Bible there, after those words says that in the last days men would be unthankful. That means that they cannot be grateful to anyone else because they are so self-obsessed that they cannot see the value in anything of anyone else but uh, just what they have themselves. They are unthankful to anyone for anything they've ever been given. They're unthankful for anything that they have in their life. And then the Bible closes out that verse with that they would be unholy. That they cannot live for God because they are only concerned with how uh, how they want to live and how their flesh wants itself uh, to be satisfied. And so uh, I don't want to have characteristics uh, of the last days in my life. And, and you could go on and on about that. But the reason why men are unthankful is because we are obsessed with self. Uh, we are consumed with ourself. And it's hard to get past our very own selves to be able to express thankfulness to anyone. And I would say this this evening, that it's sad to say that the characteristics of the perilous times out in the world have made sure that they have shown up in the personalities and the character traits and the attitudes of God's people to where even in our churches we don't look very much different uh, than the world. And the sad thing is, is we'll come into weeks like this where we'll talk about a Thanksgiving holiday and even the church of the living God, those that are saved by the grace of God, who are the true, genuine, blood-bought children of God, that they spend more of their time uh, thinking uh, thinking about uh, turkey and thinking about football and thinking about gathering with family and traveling, and they somehow along the way, because they're so obsessed with me, myself, and my family, and my friends, and my, my, and me, me, it's all concerned about that, that we forget in times like these that we have a duty from the Lord to direct our thankful hearts and our praise to Him because every good thing we've ever had comes from Him. I don't want to be an unthankful Christian. I definitely don't want to be an unholy uh, an unholy individual. And so tonight I want us to talk about that subject because it is so, uh, so greatly important this 
evening. I want us to understand that the Bible has much to say about the subject of thankfulness and the subject of thanksgiving and that God expects his people to be a thankful people. Did you realize that in our King James Bible there is a variation of words like thanks or thanksgiving that appear in our Bible 134 times? I would say God wants his people to be a thankful people. He had a lot to say with us about being thankful. And so I want us to think about that tonight. And as we just read, I'm sure most of you probably looked at the text that we have read together tonight. And uh, probably when I announced it to you up until we read uh, some of the phrases of the verses, you probably thought, uh, I don't know how much of a Thanksgiving message you can find in First Chronicles. Amen. Uh, they're sad to say the average Christian uh, does not know a whole lot about the book of First and Second Chronicles. Amen. And here's the reason why. When you approach the book of First Chronicles, you are nine chapters in before you ever leave a genealogy. And, uh, you know, genealogies, they were very important uh, to the children of Israel. In particular, this genealogy in First Chronicles chapter 1 through 9 is the children of Israel's claim uh, to being able to prove their lineage goes all the way back to Adam. Now that was something that was very important to the nation of Israel. However, those genealogies are not necessarily as exciting for us uh, as Gentile Americans as they were for uh, the Jews in those days. And so uh, we aren't as familiar uh, with these books as we should be. Uh, First Chronicles chapter 1 through 9, it's what I could has, uh, that is what I call the naming portion of the book. But then in chapter number 10, and goes all the way through the end of 2 Chronicles, because originally those books were not divided. They were one book together. From the 1st Corinthians or 1st Chronicles, excuse me, chapter number 10, all the way to the end of the book of 2 Chronicles, we find what I call the narrative portion of the, 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 the books of uh, Chronicles. So you get past, if you can get past the naming portion and get into the narrative portion, you can find a whole lot of good lessons for you. Amen. And uh, I think sometimes God, for us Gentiles, had left those genealogies in the Bible not just for historical significance, but just to help us uh, learn patience along the way and diligence along the way. Stickability. Amen. To not give up in midstream uh, in Chronicles. Amen. But by the time <coughs> we get six chapters into the narrative portion of the book of First Chronicles, our text here this evening, chapter number 16, we find that the ark of God has been in transit uh, to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, of course, is the most precious and most holy piece of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle and uh, would eventually be uh, the most precious piece of furniture uh, in, in Solomon's temple as well. When we come to this passage of Scripture, though, we understand that unfortunately the ark of God has been removed from the city of Jerusalem and has been on quite a journey. In 1 Samuel chapter number 4, it was in the hands of the Philistines for about, uh, for about seven months until they sent it back to Israel because God had poured out plagues on the Philistines and they said, we don't want to have to deal with this anymore. We took it, let's give it back so God will stop pouring out his judgment upon us. They brought 
brought it to Kirjath Jerem, and there it stayed for 20 years until David, after coming to power as king and eventually establishing Jerusalem as the national capital of Israel, began to call Israel together and to seek to bring the ark back to Jerusalem in a grand ceremonial procession. However, if you know your Bible, you'll realize that even that first attempt of bringing the ark back to Jerusalem was not uh, without its uh, fair share of problems. If you are a student of your Bible, you'll understand that it was in uh, that procession where a man named Uzzah lost his life for not obeying the commandments of God, that a man is not supposed to touch the ark of God because it is that, that particular piece of furniture where God's presence would rest and God would receive an offering for uh, the sins of the nation of Israel. That was where God met with his people and it was too holy to look upon. It was too holy uh, to touch. And so we understand that that ended in a miserable failure for King David early on in his time as king. However, what we do find is after that unfortunate tragedy, David is afraid to carry on transporting the ark as he had originally uh, anticipated and planned. And so he allows the ark of God to go to the house of Obed-Edom and it stays there uh, for some time until David begins to look at how uh, Obed-Edom and his family and his house is faring because the ark of God is present in their home and God is blessing them and, and, and greatly uh, blessing them in, 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 in wonderful ways. And so David sees that and says, well, maybe it might be time for me to try uh, to do what I tried to do in the past, to try to do it again and get the ark to Jerusalem, but not make the same mistakes that I did before. And I'm glad to report to you that is exactly what David did. He got the ark of God. He tried his best to follow what the word of God said. And we come to 1 Chronicles chapter number 16 and verse number 1, the ark of God has finally made it to the city of Jerusalem. And now it is going uh, to be used for the purpose that God meant for it to be used for when they bring it in verse number 1 uh, to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, David has prepared a tent for the ark of God to go in temporarily. And so he puts it in the tent. They begin to offer sacrifices and peace offerings before the Lord. And notice now in our text what happens in uh, these moments after the ark of God is returned to Jerusalem. Look at verse number 3 with me if you will. The Bible says in he speaking about David dealt to every one of every one of Israel both man and woman to everyone a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. That means that David here is distributing food and drink uh, to all in Israel. By the way uh, this, is, this is another sermon for another day uh, but I am thankful that the Bible uh, means what it says when it says what it does and I am saying something that most Bible commentators disagree with to say that David is providing both food and drink to Israel. Because just about every other uh, so-called Bible out there other than the King James Bible that you have in your lap does not say that there was a flagon of wine, but rather says it is a bunch of raisin cakes is the way that it is translated. 
I'm glad I've got a King James Bible. Amen. And uh, I could go on there, but I don't want to uh, for the sake of time tonight. But the distribution of food and drink was in line with the nature of a peace offering. The participants of a peace offering would share a common meal together, often in the event of such offerings like a peace offering being offered to God. And it was a time of community among them as they offered this sacrifice to the Lord. And so David is simply doing that. So he distributes food and drink to all Israel. And while that is noteworthy, that's not the most noteworthy thing here in these verses. Look at verse 4. We see secondly, not only does David distribute food and drink to all in Israel in this moment, but David appoints certain Levites to what I'm calling a threefold ministry. Look at verse number 4. The Bible said, and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. First, the these men, and I mentioned it was a threefold ministry. David appoints these Levites, number one, to minister before the ark of the Lord. Number two, he uh, mentions that they are uh, and, and calls them uh, to a recording ministry. That they were to keep record of the events taking place in Israel's history for the sake of remembrance. There are at least two Psalms in the Psalter in your King James Bible that are said to be songs of remembrance. To be Psalms uh, that are to bring to remembrance. That's what these uh, Levites were doing. They were making record because they wanted to be written down so that for the ages to come all of Israel would be able to remember what had taken place uh, as God had worked among them. And so he told them they were to minister before uh, the ark of God. They were to record. And I would say a threefold ministry because I believe these two things go hand in hand. The Bible says, and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. David is appointing these men to make sure that God is getting appropriate thanks and he is getting an appropriate amount of praise for what he has just done in their midst. Think about what it means for the ark of God uh, to be back in uh, the city of Jerusalem and to be back uh, fully and completely uh, in the possession of Israel and now in its proper place. Uh, here we we find uh, that they are, uh, they are being called upon to thank the Lord for the fact that the ark is back where it needs to be. Here we see a scenario uh, for their being called upon uh, to a thanksgiving of sorts, if you will. There's a scenario for thanksgiving. God's people are rejoicing uh, that the ark of God that represents the presence of God and the blessings of God is now with them again. Can I say this? That God's people ought to always be thankful to the Lord and be giving God praise for the times that he allows us uh, to have his presence. Amen. And by the way, that doesn't have to be uh, some kind of supernatural uh, moving of God in the service for you to be able to enjoy the presence of God. If you're saved, he lives in your heart. Amen. He lives inside of you. He's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes everywhere you go. Amen. And as convicting as that sentiment is, I am glad that I have the abiding presence of God in my life. And there's not a Philistine 
Philistine or anybody else that can rob me of that tonight. Now just as has happened in the house of Obed-Edom as he enjoyed the blessings of God because God's presence was among his family and God's presence was among his home as is represented by the ark of God here we find that now Israel can enjoy the blessings of having the presence of God in their life as the ark is now with them. There's a scenario for thanksgiving. There is a scene for thanksgiving. God's people are here coming together with grateful hearts to the Lord for his blessings and his goodness in their life. And I think about this and maybe I'm uh, stretching this a little bit but David did give them bread. He did give them flesh. He gave them meat and he gave them something to drink. Sounds to me like that's a good start for a Thanksgiving meal. Amen. They are here in this moment to be given God thanks, to be given God praise. The scene of this Thanksgiving is God's people coming together with grateful hearts to what he's done in their life, and they enjoy a meal together. Sounds like Thanksgiving to me. And then, thirdly, not only a scenario for Thanksgiving and a scene for Thanksgiving, but we see a song of Thanksgiving here. Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 7. The Bible says that on the day, and on that day, excuse me, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph. By the way, that's the chief musician in Israel under David's reign. David delivered a psalm. What's the purpose of the psalm? It is to thank the Lord. Here we find a thanksgiving psalm. A thanksgiving song has been put into the hand of the song leader of the nation of Israel by the name of Asaph. And here between verse number number 8 and verse number 36, we find the words of a psalm of thanksgiving that lets us know. The Bible says there in verse 7 that it's an entire purpose is to show God's people and to to demonstrate to God's people uh, how to thank the Lord. It is to command them to thank the Lord, to show them what they are to be thanking Him about, and to give them a way in which they can learn how to express their thanks to the Lord and their praise to the Lord in a proper way. I'll say this tonight, this is just food for thought as well, but this particular psalm psalm of thanksgiving is parceled out throughout three different psalms in the book of Psalms as well. As the psalmist took portions of this psalm when expressing thanksgiving and put it in his own psalms later on, here we find that this is a very important collection of verses given to us by the Holy Ghost of God. It is a psalm of thanksgiving that teaches us how to be a thankful people and a people that give praise and honor to God in a way that is pleasing and honoring to Him. Notice verse 8, he's, verse 7, it says to thank the Lord. Verse 8, it says, give thanks unto the Lord. Notice verse number 34, there's a common uh, phrase that comes up here in these verses. Verse 34, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Verse 35, that we may give uh, thanks unto the Lord. 
Lord. Verse 41, to give thanks unto the Lord. The Bible here is telling us uh, that we are to give thanks to the Lord. And even within the framework of that challenge uh, to give thanks to the Lord, we find, we find phrases like this in verse 28. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Verse 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering, come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of, of holiness. Amen. Uh, several different times in this passage of Scripture, we are told that there are some things that God wants us to give to the Lord. The context says that when it mentions give unto the Lord uh, glory and strength, verse 28, when it mentions give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, that is still within the framework of giving God thanks. It is a way in which we give God thanks and we give God praise. In verse number 4, when the Bible says that uh, these uh, Levites were to thank and to praise the Lord, thank, thankfulness and praise go together. And so therefore God here is expecting us and is calling upon us to give thanks and to give praise to the Lord. Here's my question tonight that I want to preach on for the next few moments that I have. I want to preach on the subject of this question. What will you give God this Thanksgiving? There's a lot of things that we'll give uh, at Christmas time, and maybe that sounds like more of a Christmas title. But here in these passage of scripture, this this passage of scripture, and in these verses, we find that God expects us to give Him some things in a in a spirit of thanksgiving. What are we going to give God this thanksgiving? First of all, as we understand that all of it means uh, that we are to give God thanks and praise. That's what David mentioned for these Levites. That's what David said is the whole purpose of this psalm and this song of thanksgiving here in the Bible. So if we're going to learn how to give God thanks and how to give God praise, we need to look at this psalm of thanksgiving and see what it has to tell us about how we give God proper thanks and how we give God proper praise. And so I'm going to give as much of this to you as I can. First of all, let me say this, in order for us to give God thanks and praise the way that He would have for us to, and to be able able to give uh, the right answer to what are we going to give God this thanksgiving and to give it right by giving him thanks and praise. First of all, we must give him our actions. Notice what the Bible says here, and I will say this in advance, y'all uh, forgive me tonight if I, if I seem a little bit more tied to my notes than normal. I have a lot to say and a little bit of time uh, to get there, so uh, this will help me stay on track more than uh, ad-libbing and walking away from that. So I beg your forgiveness in advance, okay? Notice with me in verse number 8, look uh, here in verse number 8 through 11, we see the Bible says, give thanks unto the Lord. Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wonderful, uh, excuse me, wondrous works, give uh, glory ye in his name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord, seek the Lord and his strength, and seek his face continually. Look at verse number 23, sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth uh, from day to day his salvation, verse 24, declare his glory 
among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols. But uh, the Lord made the heavens. Can I say this tonight? As we look in these uh, verses this evening, we find that each of those are a call upon which we must give our actions, our activity to the Lord. The first thing that he said in the first part of verse number 8 is to give thanks unto the Lord. He said to give thanks. That phrase give thanks is one single word in the Hebrew language. It's not two as we have in our English. It is one single word. It literally gives us a word picture of a hand that moves. It is denoting activity. It is denoting movement. God wants us to be active in thanking Him and giving Him praise. When one gets busy with a particular task, it can be said that they put their hand to the task. They put their hand to the plow. They put their hand to the work. And that is exactly what is being indicated when God says, give thanks. He says, move your hand. Put your hand to this diligently. The giving of thanks is not something that is to be done arbitrarily or apathetically, but it is something that is to be done in action. He wants us to let him know genuinely and purposefully how thankful we are and how much we have to be thankful for. Can I say this this evening? Is that not, <coughs> excuse me, is that not what we expect of our own families? Is that not what we expect of other members of the human family? You do something good for somebody, you want at least to be recognized for it. How many of you husbands have ever went out and spent the day cutting the grass and when you walk inside you were wanting your wife to say, honey, man, that looks good. Amen. How many of you wives have spent your time, spent a great amount of time in a kitchen over a hot stove making a beautiful meal and got upset when your husband sat down and didn't say anything about it? When your children sat down and didn't say anything about it? Amen. By the way, that's a good piece of information we need to keep back in our mind for when Thursday comes around. You need to keep in, especially those of you with large families, remember who made what. Each and every one of them women are going to be waiting for you to tell them how good uh, that turkey was, how good that dressing was, how good that sweet potato pie was. Hey Amen. They're going. I'm telling you, it's going to be expected. Why? Because they did something. They did something good. They did something right. Hey Amen. They did something that is thank worthy. And so, therefore, uh, it is. Uh, it is only right to give uh, thanks for what is done. Every child wants their parents to brag on them for a job well done. If you're a parent in here, every single one of you, including me and my family, have had a, have have uh, went through a time where you had a child scribble on a piece of paper, and they wanted you to say, "Daddy, did you see what I drew? It looks like a bunch of squiggly lines." But to them, it's a lion, or it's a bear, or it's an airplane, or it's something like that. And say, so, and they'll say, "Daddy, it's this," and say, "Oh, you did such a good job, Mama. It's this. Oh, honey, it's so beautiful. Let me put it right here on the fr the refrigerator." so everybody that comes in can see that I have an artist in the house. Amen. Yeah. Children expect to be bragged on. Husbands and wives and expect for someone to notice when they do something thankworthy. 
If you're on your job and you uh, go above and beyond, you would like to think that you'd have a boss that would notice. You'd have a few step out of the way to help someone. You would at least uh, like to at least hope that there would be a thanks sent in your direction for a job well done. This word give thanks here tells us that it's something we ought to be active in. And if we would be willing to give thanks and to give praise to each other for uh, things that are so temporal and uh, in the scheme of eternity matters so little, why is it that we can offer thanks to someone next to us or someone in our home or someone on our job, but yet we constantly fail to give God the praise and the thanks that He deserves for things that He does in our life that will matter in the scheme of eternity. I believe we ought to take better uh, consideration of our priorities and remember that yes, it is good to give thanks to others and to show appreciation, but we must not forget that God has done more for us than any one of us could ever do for each other. And this very night and this very week, and as you sit there with your families on Thursday, he is deserving of thanks and praise and he's deserving of it publicly for all that he's done in our life. This word give thanks also carries with it the idea of a raised hand. This idea of this word in Hebrew literally does not just mean a gentle raising of a hand, but it means a throwing of a hand in the air. That is something that's done on purpose. I don't know. I, I, maybe one day I might have nerve issues and something like that may happen accidentally. But as of yet in my life, I've never thrown my hand up in the air and done so accidentally. That's what God says. That's what giving Him praise looks like. You're doing it on purpose. You're doing it intentionally. You're doing it publicly. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 2.8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And I know that's in the context of prayer, but God did say through the Apostle Paul that it's a good idea for men and women, boys and girls, to lift their hands to the Lord. We are to purposely throw our hand into the air and let God see our hands there. That is something that'd be very, that was very common in the nation of Israel. When they get excited, their hands would go, their hands would fly up into the air. And we have brought that over into our, in our, to our Christian world and into the church world through what the Word of God says about worship and, and about worship services. We will lift our hands and praise the Lord. But I promise you this, none of us do it like we should. Say, preacher, all oh, that's against my personality. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to be harsh or hard or difficult to get along with. But I'm not sure I see it anywhere here in these verses that God has expected His people to only praise Him within the rigid dimensions of their personality or their comfort zone. My comfort zone is so so narrow sometimes, but God is so deserving of praise and worship. I ought to be willing to step out of a comfort zone, put my hand in the air, worship God, and let it. By the way, that's what these verses are saying. When we do this in church, there's a God in heaven that's looking on, and he's saying that by doing this, they're saying thank you to me. By doing this, they're giving me praise, and they're doing it publicly, and they're wanting me to look down and see it. When was the last time you gave God thanks or praise that could be seen from heaven? 
That is us saying, thank you, God, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, God, for everything you've done in me. Thank you, God, for everything you've done with me. And I praise you for all of it. The Bible says we are to give thanks unto the Lord. This word Lord, of course, I've mentioned it many times in preaching before. It is the, it is the name for God, Jehovah. And it means that he, that word means that he is the God that exists and he is the self-existing God. That means that he is one uh, who's, who is really uh, there. He is real. He exists. Unlike all of the other gods of this world that men worship, he is true. He is genuine. He is real. He is there. If you were to call upon him. He has eyes that can see, ears that can hear, hands that can reach, and he has feet that can swiftly come to exactly to where you need him and meet the need. He is the Jehovah God. He's the God that is real, the God that exists. Amen. He's the one that not only is real, but self-existing God means that he is a God that does not need me. He is a God that does not need you, and He's a God that does not need anyone else to do what He does. I'm not trying to be critical of folks. I'd love to see these folks get saved, but wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be heartbreaking to have a God like these folks that are in the Japanese restaurants, that they have that Buddha that they've got to feed every day, that when He falls over, they've got to prop Buddha back up and help Him get back? On his, I was going to say on his feet, but usually it's on his seat. Amen. <laughs> Can I say this tonight? I'm glad that when the Bible says give thanks unto the Lord. And if you notice here in this, I, there's no way I'm going to preach all this. I'm probably going to have, I've got, I, I'm, I'm into my first point. This will probably be it tonight. I've got six more of them. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I've been, I've been in my study all day for the last two days and God's just been pouring this out on me. I'll give you part two next year, Lord willing. Amen. <laughs> Y'all won't even remember what part one was by then. <laughs> But when the Bible says give thanks unto the Lord, if you'll notice there in verse number 8, the word Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, or at least it should be if your Bible is correct in how it translates. That means that is, that is the name Jehovah, that He does not need me to exist or to do what He does. He does not need my aid. He does not need my help. He does not need you or me or any, anyone else in any shape or fashion to do what He does. You know, those things that we are uh, to be giving Him thanks for this week, all of those things that we are to be giving Him praise for this week, things like saving our soul from hell to where we never have to spend one second there, uh, giving us bread and giving us, uh, amen, uh, breath and giving us food and giving us clothes on our back and shoes on our feet, giving us the family that we have, allowing us to live to this point when our life could have been snuffed out years ago to enjoy all of the blessings that God has given us in our life. To have God giving us the vehicles that brought us here tonight. God giving us safety on the roads. God giving us the ability to, to understand and to think and to hear and to be able to even understand what is taking place around us. You'd be surprised. And I'm, I, don't, I don't say this in any kind of negative way, but you'd be surprised how many people that I've preached to, especially in the early days of my ministry, they showed up because they were placed there, and especially in the nursing home ministry that I've had, they were there because they were placed there, but they didn't have a clue where they were the whole time. They were hearing 
what I, I was going to say good preaching, but I can at least say Bible preaching. I did my best to preach to them the way I do to you. I don't know how good it is sometimes, but I do try to put enough Bible in there for them to get some help. I did my best to preach to them exactly the way that, I, that I've preached to you, but yet some of those people, while others were being blessed because they knew where they were and they were able to sing the songs and they had their mind about them, others were just there. Aren't you glad that God's been so good to us tonight that we're not just here? But we're able to understand what God is doing in our midst. We're able to understand all of the blessings that God has put into our life. We are able to be able to go down memory's lane and to be able to look back at the blessings of God and to be able to take a night like this to find our place at an altar, to find our place in a position of prayer, and just to give God thanks and praise for all of His blessings in our life. Here, this Jehovah being mentioned that we are to give God thanks to. Uh, this is a God, amen, uh, that does not need us to do what he does. I've already said that. And unlike the Buddha uh, in the uh, Japanese restaurant that needs to be fed and needs to be put back on his feet, I'm thankful that my God uh, is Jehovah. And that means that he does not need me, but I certainly need him. And he doesn't need me to feed him, but all does he sure feed me. Amen. He, does, I, he doesn't need me to put him on his feet. But you're looking at a preacher tonight that there's been time after time down through the years where he's picked me up and put me back on my feet when I've needed him to. Bible says here, give thanks unto that kind of God. Give thanks to him. Notice what he says here. Call upon his name. That doesn't take a whole lot of deep exegesis to understand. But this, this calling upon God, I've preached this to you before in other passages in the Psalms, but the Hebrew word for call literally means to have a to call for a special meeting. To have a special meeting with someone. Here, when the Bible says, call upon his name, it means that with a heart of thankfulness and a heart filled with praise for the goodness of God and the blessings of God in your life, that God does expect for us this very night, this very week, and every day that God gives us something to be thankful for. And by the way, that's every day that he gives us in this life. He wants us to have a special meeting with him. He wants us to call upon His name. He wants us to show our thanks to God this Thanksgiving by getting alone with Him somewhere on our knees and calling a special meeting with Him to tell Him how thankful we are for Him, for who He is, for what He's done, and for all that He is continuing to do in our life and to give Him praise for it in that meeting. God wants you to express, not just be thankful and to give thanks unto the Lord, to offer it to Him that way, but He wants you to do it personally and specially, especially to Him. Yes, He wants you to show your thankfulness and show praise in public, but there is a private nature to where He wants you to confess your thankfulness to Him and to Him alone. <coughs> I'll close with these. Notice what the Bible says here. Number three, 
We've talk, we're talking about how we need to give him our actions. And I, like I said, that's just number one. I don't have time to give you the other six tonight. But action number one was we're to give thanks unto the Lord. Action number two, we're to call upon his name. Action number three, and I'll, this, is the, this is the last thing that I'll mention tonight. We are to make known his deeds among the people. His deeds, speaking about his actions, speaking about his doings, the things that he does. Can I say this? Notice your Bible there in verse number 8. Uh, the Bible says, make known his deeds among the people. Can I say this tonight? That phrase, make known, means that there is no one but you that knows exactly and truly what the Lord has done for you. I, you may have shared some things with me, but I cannot publish, I cannot make known, I cannot declare to others all of the things that God has done for you. you only you know all of the things that God has done for you, at least what your mind can comprehend. I just happen to believe that God has done some things for us that maybe we'll never even know this side of eternity. But the things that he allows us to know, those things that he allows us to understand, he, uh, we are to make his deeds known among the people. And notice when the Bible says the people, he does not articulate which people. This is a general term with no specifics. I take that to mean that he wants us, if someone can be classified as a person, as a member of the human race, they, are a, they, they qualify to hear about what God's done in your life. Amen. Person to person. I don't think God, I don't think God, I don't, my, my watch is apparently telling me I need to be done. It was talking to me. I hit a button and it was talking to me. I'm not saying that God expects us to tell all creation what God's done for us. All of those wretched cats that like to, stray cats that like to uh, pull around my front door every week of our house. God doesn't expect me to walk up there and begin to tell that cat all of what God's done for me. He says, tell it to the people. Amen. Why? Because it won't matter to the cat. They are doing exactly what God told and created them to do already. They're not going to be benefited by that knowledge. They, well, I, I don't, wherever you stand on how animals can perceive what we want or wish, whether you think all they, you're part of that group that says all they understand everything I say, or you're part of a group that they just understand. You know, the, the, the tone of voice or whatever. I'm not going to argue. People get so crazy into that stuff. <laughs> I've never seen an animal show up to English class, though. So, yeah, I, I don't know how much they understand. But it won't benefit them any. But you know who it will benefit greatly? When you tell another person what God's done for you. One of the greatest tools in our witness to this world is that very thing what God has done for us. You say, preacher, why is that? Because they may not even believe that God has done all those things for you. But here's what they cannot do. They cannot discredit how you feel that God has worked in your life. When you say, God has done this in my life, even the most wretched sinner out there will have great trouble trying to discredit what you're saying God did in your heart and in your life. 
It's one of the greatest tools we have of reaching this lost world for Christ. Just simply letting everyone we can know this is what God's done in my life. The Bible says here, make known uh, His deeds among the people. Wherever you find a human being, they are a candidate to hear what God has done for you. And God here in this phrase is telling us that He expects for us to brag on Him to other people. You come in here, you want, you'll want to be bragged on this week for whatever you fix. Make sure you brag on the Lord for the things that He's fixed. For the sin problem that He fixed. For the heart that He put back together. For uh, the complete change taking you from being this kind of a person and making you a new creature in Christ. All of the ways your life could have fallen apart, but God kept it together in sovereign grace and in sovereign mercy. He's held you together when you had a million reasons to fall apart. Make sure you let the folks know, you let it be known what He's done for you. Notice what the Bible says here, verse 24. Notice the Bible says, declare His glory among the heathen. Declare His marvelous works among all nations. Why? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. That lets me know that God is so great that not only is He greatly to be praised among those who know Him, those that are saved, those that are part of His family, but there's a lost world out there that if they were to be honest, they have some things they need to be thankful to the Lord for as well. The very fact that they would be breathing when you speak to them and not inhale, that means they have something to give God thanks for. So here we see that God is telling us that we are to, verse 24, declare His glory among the heathen. This word glory means to declare God's splendor. It means to declare that which makes Him so worthy of honor. The word glory here literally means that we are to declare the weight of our God. Weight, of course, is associated with worth. We here in the United States of America used to measure out our currency by weight. They did it in Bible days. The heavier the weight, oftentimes, the, the, the more value there was. Here, the Bible is saying that we are to declare the weight of our God. We are to declare the worth of our God. We are to declare the things that He has done for us that makes Him worthy of honor, reverence, praise, and thankfulness. We are to let people know the kind of God we have. Here the Bible tells us about just some of these actions. You could go on and on in this passage declaring more and more, but that's what I have time for this evening. I hope you will take the challenge tonight. What are you supposed to do this Thanksgiving? What are you supposed to give to God this Thanksgiving? You're to give Him your thanks. You're to give Him your praise. There's so many things that we could talk about tonight that He's worthy of, but in a nutshell, express to Him this week how thankful you are for what He's done, for who He is, for what He's going to do, for what He can do, not only in your life and the life of others, and make sure that you spend some time with Him individually thanking Him and praising Him for that, and then share it with others. Make known His deeds among the people. Declare His glory among the heathen. Declare His marvelous works among all nations. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website. 
bbclexington.com. <laughs>